Well, after that singing, we could just say amen and go on home. That's great. Thank you, praise team. Appreciate that. I'm so grateful to be able to come and praise our Lord and sing to Him and have an opportunity to just glorify Christ in what He is doing in our hearts and lives. And we just pray that as we go through our service, that we don't get distracted from the truth, and that's that we have a God who so loved us that he sent his son Christ into the world to die for us. Well, I, I like to uh, start off with our signs, and so I'll give you a few to look at here this morning. Uh, I especially like the, uh, there are some questions that can't be answered on uh, by Google. <laughs> I don't know about you, but there's a uh, uh, Times when we're going around and some of the things come up, you know, you quick do a check and you know, there's some things that just don't. And then the upper right is my next favorite. Our church is like fudge sweet with a few nuts. And uh, I think I qualify, I think I qualify as one of those. Um, yeah, I know, you know. Um, As you know, Pastor Brian uh, went on sabbatical uh, this past week. Uh, he was here Monday. Uh, finally, on Tuesday, I had to kick him out the door because he wasn't able to release <laughs> and get going. And uh, they're down in, in Illinois. And uh, I am uh, supposed to be preaching uh, for the next uh, several weeks, but... Um, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to uh, to get into this or not, but I just thought I would let you know what why there's a little bit of a change, and that's um, I will Ann and I will be leaving a week from today. I have an appointment at the Mayo Clinic uh, for some uh, testing that I've, I've been undergoing, and so uh, Miles will be here next week. He's down. He and Sarah are down picking up uh, their kids in Chicago, so they will uh, they'll be he'll be in uh, preaching next week. So just so you kind of have an idea of why we're doing a lot of switching around and, and things are happening. But, um, and we'll keep you posted on, on kind of what's going on. But uh, just some uh, testing that I've been undergoing and uh, God is uh, good and I'm not worried at all about it. But uh, it still kind of throws off our schedules a little bit, especially when you're away from town and come back and find out you have an appointment <laughs> at the Mayo Clinic. So uh, uh, just kind of a surprise. So, uh, Well, uh, while I am uh, here and what I am going to be uh, speaking about, um, I'm going to be uh, doing a series from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through uh, 47. And uh, I've taught this, uh, some of this before, I've taught a series uh, or, or a uh, message using all of those verses, but we're actually going to take it as a series of messages that deal with uh, the church and deal with uh, how we're to function. And uh, so the series that we're going to be doing is dealing with the apostles' teaching, uh, the breaking of bread, and um, fellowship and prayer. And uh, the purpose, the reason that I wanted to do this particular series is 
that we um, uh, have adult Bible fellowships, and most of you are aware of that. We usually uh, have our adult Bible fellowships in between, and this summer we're doing what we call a mix-up, where we're just kind of mixed up all of the age groups and all of the, the groups, and uh, we're, we're meeting separately, and we're going through a study, and, and, uh, and that's been a lot of, of fun, and it's been a challenge. Uh, there's a lot of work involved with it, and uh, as somebody mentioned this morning, some of these you know, would have been good if we would have done them in, in two weeks instead of just one, uh, but uh, we're getting uh, some information there. And uh, for you, those of you who are not aware, maybe you've not participated in Adult Bible Fellowship, part of what I would like to do is try to introduce you to the fact that we, we have these studies that happen between the two services. And the reason that, for those who weren't here, weren't familiar with this, the reason that we uh, went to the Adult Bible Fellowships is we, we before that, we had our, our adult Sunday schools, and then we went to two services. And when we went to two services, we started having the Sunday school during uh, each of those two services. So when the first service was going on, there was also a Sunday school class going on. During the second service, there was a, a Sunday school class going on. Then, So if you went to one or the other, you came early, stayed late, that sort of thing. Well, and that, that was all fine, except our our Sunday school attendance, our adult Sunday school attendance, actually dropped to around 20 or a little bit less than 20 people uh, that were in attendance uh, during that time. And so uh, Pastor Brian uh, was uh, pretty new here at that time, and we started looking for alternatives, some things that we could do that, that would help to get uh, some improvement in that and try to get people into an opportunity to learn and to study the word more, and so we uh, began to have the Adult Bible Fellowships. I had gone to uh, Moody Pastors Conference and had um, uh, been exposed to uh, Pastor uh, Newt Larson, uh, who has uh, written a book on Adult Bible Fellowships, and so we began the Adult Bible Fellowships with the purpose, with the hope that we would all be able to be studying the word and growing in our faith. But it's more than just the study of the word. It's also developing those relationships. It's developing uh, fellowships and spending time in prayer uh, together and in breaking the bread together. And so uh, that's kind of how we came about. And so we're just taking a break for the summer from those. And um, that's caused a little bit of uh, a consternation for some people. It's a little bit difficult to go through change uh, but I want to assure you, we are going back to the Adult Bible Fellowships. What we're hoping in the fall, we'll have the, the, uh, the same groups and hopefully add one or two additional uh, groups to that. So uh, you can be watching for that um, as you do. So one of the things that uh, those are the Adult Bible fel- Fellowships are uh, centered on, and that's the these scriptures from Acts chapter 2. And so... Uh, if you would turn with me to Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, we're just going to uh, read th- those over real quickly, and then I'm going to share some thoughts uh, from this. So Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling the possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere 
hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so uh, when we read that, we we understand that uh, this was an important uh, transition in the lives of uh, this church. It's the first church. It's uh, a group of people who had become the church after Christ had been crucified on the cross. Uh, He had been resurrected from the dead. He had ascended into heaven. And so the church was gathered together. The people were gathered together. And in the beginning of Acts chapter 2, we have the, the uh, information that uh, the, the apostles were all together, the disciples, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. When the Holy Spirit came on them, the Holy Spirit changed them. If you remember the change that took place in the life of uh, uh, Peter. Peter just uh, uh, days before that had been with a bunch of regular people standing around the campfire uh, in, in a court room, a court area, and he was standing there and talking, and they asked him, well, weren't you with this Christ? And you remember he denied it three times, and in fact, the third time, he de- denied it emphatically, and he, and he swore that, no, I was not with him. And, uh, and now you see this huge change that takes place, because after the Holy Spirit comes, then Peter stands up in front of a large crowd of people. And as he's standing up in this large, in front of this large crowd of people, he explains to them who this Jesus was, and he explains to them the way of salvation. So I want us to go back and, and look at a couple of verses that deal with that. So if you're, if you're in Acts chapter 2, look back at verse 22. And this is what uh, Peter is telling them. He says, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of, Naz- of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then, skipping down to verse 31, seeing what was ahead, uh, uh, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus back to life, and we are all witnesses of this fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And then uh, they were shocked at what he was telling them. They were amazed at what he was telling them and, and, and the boldness with which he was sharing these truths with them. And, and they, they came to the point where, where they're, they're just cut to the, to the heart and they just don't understand what it's all about. And, and they asked him, what must we do? What must we do about this? If, if what you're telling us is true, what is it that we have to do? How do we need to change? And he says... You must believe. He says in verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the the Lord our God will call. And with that, with those words, thousands became the church. Thousands came to a point of believing and trusting 
in Jesus Christ. But now the problem then comes is if, if, if there's a new church, if, and a, remember a church is not the building, it's the body of believers, and the church is together, and they have to know what, about, what is it that we're to do? How are we going to grow? How are we going to mature? How are we going to become the kind of people that you want us to be? And so the first thing that it says in verse 42 is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So I wanted to talk to us a little bit today about what is some of that apostles' teaching. What is it that uh, was being taught to them that was significant enough that it met the needs of spiritual growth within the first church? Um, It it will be the foundation for all of the things that they will uh, become. And so we're going to look at some teaching. Uh, There's not a whole lot of, of other uh, apostles and disciples who actually did a lot of the teaching. Most of it is Peter, and then Paul came along. And so we're going to look at just those two, uh, and then the last thing is going to be from uh, from uh, James. But uh, So I want us to just kind of take a glance through some of the teachings that we have from uh, Peter. So I want to have you turn with me today to 1 Peter, and we're going to look at uh, uh, some verses uh, throughout First and Second Peter, so uh, turn with me there, and uh, we're going to start in chapter one, beginning with verse three. Um, so uh, Peter uh, again um, was a man who uh, had, in many ways, had failed Jesus uh, as they were going uh, along, as they were interacting. Uh, Peter. Uh, until the Holy Spirit came on him, was a man who made a lot of mistakes. You know what? He probably made a lot of mistakes after that. In fact, we know that there were some things uh, that he did uh, later on that, uh, that were not consistent, were not uh, the, way me, the way maybe they should have been. Uh, but that's part of being human. We make mistakes, and we do things that we're sorry for, and we do things that we need to correct. And so one of the things that we as a church need to remember is we're not a bunch of people who are perfect. We're a bunch of imperfect people who are being changed by a Holy Spirit who lives within us. When we've trusted Christ as our Savior, we have uh, received the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes in and he, he convicts and he corrects and he teaches and he helps us in our growth. And Peter was one of those type of people. And you and I are the same kind of people. And we need to understand that as we go through we need to be open to listening to what the Holy Spirit is teaching us about these things. So, we're going to look at verse 3 of 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. Uh, and he says, Pray, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so you see the first thing he does is he tells us that we have salvation. But our salvation is not something that we can do to earn. It's not something that we can, can uh, manage to live well enough or do well enough or, or act in a way that, that uh, helps us to get into heaven. But rather, it's salvation that is done by Jesus Christ. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die upon that cross. And we hear that over and over again. I think sometimes we can be, become, become almost callous to that truth. We can get to the point where we uh, don't give... God the glory for these things that we should. And so we have to remember that we are here to, uh, to grow and to mature and to learn. And so the first thing that we see is our salvation. 
Our salvation is done for us by Jesus Christ when he died upon the cross. And then we're called by Peter uh, to have a, a little bit of a changed attitude. So if you look down with me at verses 13 to 16 in chapter 1, he says this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. So we have a call here uh, from Peter to a changed attitude, a different behavioral uh, position. And that is, first of all, to be obedient. You know, it's... uh, it's difficult sometimes to be obedient. It's difficult to read the Word of God and see something in there that pertains to uh, maybe a, a, an attitude or a spirit or a behavioral thing that we're, that we're involved with and read that and have uh, the Holy Spirit say, you know, Hank, you need a change in this area. You, you need to... Um, you need to stop thinking that way. You need to stop doing that. You need to stop behaving in that way. And it's difficult because that means I have to look at myself. It's easier for me to look at somebody else and say, hey, you know, I, I can see that you're doing this or that. You need to change. But when we read the Word, we have to look at it and say, oh, wait a minute. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. Hank, you need to change in this area. Be obedient to this. And I don't know about you, but um, obedience is not one of those things that's a lot of fun. (laughs) You know, obedience means that I have to to change. I have to modify how I feel and think about certain things. Well, the next thing is that we're not to conform to evil. We are bombarded from every side, aren't we? Every day with evil things that are coming at us. Now, oftentimes they appear to not be evil. They appear to be uh, just regular stuff. Maybe we're exposed to it so often, we're exposed to it in so many ways, that after a while we don't even recognize it for what it is, which is evil. But we're reminded in Scripture over and over again that the world is full of evil. And we have to stand against and resist evil on every element, on every level. The problem is, is that we get so indoctrinated, we get so uh, infiltrated in our thinking with evil that sometimes it's hard for us to even recognize it for what it really is. And I think that some, one of those uh, areas is the area of self-dependence or self-reliance. This morning as uh, I came in, uh, or be, just before I left, actually, but I, I started, I was watching the news, and, and there, were, uh, there was a lot of stuff that was on there, and, and some of it was clear, uh, plainly and clearly evil. They're, they're searching for the man uh, who's still alive who escaped from the prison out east, and, and, they're, and they're still looking for that man, and, and they were talking about that, and that's clearly, we can look at that and we can say, well, that's, that's clearly evil. That, that's clearly, this man is a, a murderer, uh, 
he, he, he has done evil things and he deserves to be locked up and, uh, and they need to catch him and put him in prison. The other thing that I heard this morning after I got in here, there was, there were, there was a little bit of a discussion uh, about the recent Supreme Court decisions. We've all uh, heard those decisions and, and we wonder what that's going to mean for us. We wonder as, as a church, for instance, what's going to happen uh, with some of these rulings? How is it going to affect us as individuals, but how is it going to affect us as a church? And we can get bogged down with those things. We can get bogged down with the things that are outside of the church, that we have no control over, that are outside of our, our, our ability to influence. And instead, we are to be constantly open to and receiving information from the Holy Spirit who is telling us to resist, to not conform to the evil of the world. I can't stand in judgment on another person and say, you should not do this or you should not do that. I have to be open to the word of God, listening to what he says, and then being obedient to that and allowing the Holy Spirit to change me. Because I don't know about you, but I have a whole bunch of areas that I still need to work on. And here's the easy one. This is the simple one for all of us, right? Be holy as Christ is holy. Whenever I read that, for me, it's like one of those verses that's like, wait a second. But Christ is completely holy. And I'm far Far from holy. How can I be holy? How, how can I uh, even stand in his very presence? And this is a call to change. This is a call to become more holy as I grow and as I mature and as I move toward him. I've got a long way to go. I know most of you do as well. We need to be in the process of change. We need to be allowing uh, the Holy Spirit to bring change in us and not to stand at a point where we believe that we have all the answers, but rather that we are so dependent upon him. Well, then in chapter 2 of First uh, Peter, uh, we read this, and it's uh, one of those uh, verses that... Um, I'm sorry, since I'm, I want to go to Second Peter. I'm sorry. 2 Peter uh, chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to look at verse 20. The apostles that we read, Peter and Paul, both have an above all or above all else or, or, or the most important thing that they want to share with us. In Peter's case, we find it here in verse, two, verse 20. He says, above all. So in other words, he's, he had sent them the first letter that we call the first Peter. He's now sending them a second letter. And in this second letter, he starts off with this, and he says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy has never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. What is he telling us there? That 
The Bible is not a bunch of stories, it's not a bunch of things that were put together by men for men, but rather the Holy Spirit led men who were receptive and open to his leading, his teaching, to write down these things that we now call the Bible. The Holy Spirit has revealed to us his very word, that we might understand what he desires from us. But one of the things that you don't notice, he doesn't say, above all, first before you come to me, you must be perfect. He doesn't say, first of all, the most important thing is only those people who have it all together can come to me. But rather, he says, above all, understand that you need to be in the word of God. And when you're in the word of God, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to convict, correct, and teach you that you may be more holy. You may be more Christ-like in your living and in your behavior. None of us have it all down to perfection. We all have a ways to go. But it's important for us to understand, these are not stories. These are not made up things by men. This is the very word of God. And unless we get into it, unless we mine it, unless we dig into it and and allow the Holy Spirit to use it to teach us, then we will fall short in every way. Well, another one that we have a lot of writing from, and that's Paul. And uh, Paul, uh, in his teachings, he uh, has some of the same themes. And one of the things that I wanted to do was, was tie in some things that were similar between Peter and Paul in terms of the things that uh, they were teaching. And if you notice that uh, Paul and Peter have a couple of things in common. Now, Peter, uh, you will recall that at one point, Peter writes and he says, you know, Paul's teachings, Paul's writings, the things that he says and and, and teaches us are difficult. Sometimes they're difficult to understand. So even for Peter, that was was true. And, And what he was saying with that is, you know what? One of the things that happens is as God is writing these things, as God is teaching these things, He is having us go against our very nature. He's having us go actually contrary to what our nature tells us to do. Because in our nature, we are evil all the time. In our nature, we pursue after the evil things of the world. But God wants us to be changed. And so, we're going to look a little bit at Paul's teaching and uh, just see some of the things there. So, uh, turn with me if you would, to uh, Titus. Uh, It's a book that we uh, uh, refer to an awful lot, right? Uh, Titus is one of those small ones right at the end of uh, 1st, 2nd Timothy. The next book is Titus. Um, And in Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, he says this. And and Peter uh, referred a couple of times to teachings and the things we learn and, and God's word. Paul is much more but then he wrote a lot more, but he's much more blatant in terms of some of the things that deal with teaching. So he says this, you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. So what he's saying is the Bible is sound doctrine. The 
the, the things that are being taught, because if he's saying you must teach, uh, he's saying to Timothy, a young pastor, you must teach these things, then, and, and it's his own doctrine. Therefore, what I'm teaching, Paul is saying, what I'm teaching, what I'm giving you is sound doctrine. These are Holy Spirit-led to teach you, to help you in your spiritual growth. And so he gives us uh, this kind of teaching. And then in 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Study to show thy... I use the King James because that's what I have memorized. Study to show thyself to prove unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. What is that saying? Study this, the Bible, because what is it? It's the word of truth. It is God's word. And we're to study it. Study it for what purpose? So that I have a whole bunch of head knowledge, that I have a whole bunch of information? No, study it so that I can also teach it and share it with others. That as I am going uh, through my life, I can have it change me, but I can also uh, share it with other people and to help them. Second uh, Timothy 3. If you turn there with me, Second Timothy chapter 3. Uh, beginning in verses 16 and 17. Paul says this, All Scripture, the whole Bible, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I, uh, I found it interesting that Julie referred to... Uh, prophet Isaiah this morning. Um, A lot of people that I have conversation with rarely ever read anything in the Old Testament. I've talked to some people, well, I read sometimes the Proverbs, I I might sometimes read the Psalms, I read some of this, but some of the prophets are very difficult to understand. And, And some of it appears to be related to a certain period of time. I've shared with you many times before, but I, I read through the Bible every year. And as I read through, I always come across something I haven't seen or read before. It, it amazes me how you can read something over and over and over again and still find something new in there. But that's why the Word of God is a living thing, because it depends on where you are at a certain point in your life as to what it is that God reveals to you about Himself. But the more you're in the Word of God, the more you can be open to and receiving those kinds of teaching. God is an amazing God. His Word is amazing. And we have to be open to receiving His Word from Him. Well, uh, one of the other things that that we learn from, from Paul is that all Scripture... Is from God. It's not from man. Very similar to what we learned from Peter. Scripture is not something that's just made up by men. Society wants to tell us it is, but it's not. But Paul also has an above all. And I think that's interesting that uh, Peter has an above all, and now we see uh, he doesn't say it in exactly that way, but if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians. Chapter uh, 15. 
And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 3, Paul says this, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. What does that mean? It's above all. Everything else that I'm teaching you, everything else that we talk about, everything else that's in the Word, above all of those things, the most important thing to me, the most important thing that I can tell you about and talk to you about is this. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That, would, that he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. Most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles. And last of all he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. What is it that was the most important thing? What was the the key thing above everything else that Paul wanted them to know? And that's that Jesus Christ was their only way to get into God's heaven. You can do all kinds of other things. You can try to be whatever else you want to be. But there's only one way to get to God's heaven, and that's through the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. And some people may say, well, Pastor Hank, you know, almost every time you preach, you tell us the same thing. Almost every time you speak, you tell us about the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. You know what? You're right. I do. Because I can't think of any message that's more important for us to know. I can't think of any lesson that I have learned in my years of being a believer, as my years of studying Scripture, than to know that Jesus Christ is my only way to get to God's heaven. There is no other way. Because we're all sinners who fall short of God's glory. We have in the past, we do it today, and we will in the future. We sin because we're human. But God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Perfect God, perfect man, came into the world, lived a perfect life, died on a cross for things that he did not do. He took your sins and my sins on him, on that cross. That when we go and we speak to the Father, we can go into his presence, not because of ourselves, but because of what Christ did. On that cross. And we can go there with confidence, not in ourselves, but in his finished work on the cross. What's the most important thing that Paul had to share was that Jesus Christ was and is our way of salvation. And we have to trust in him. And every one of us. If we have trusted Christ as our Savior, we receive that same Holy Spirit that changed Peter from the man who denied Christ to the man who stands up in front of thousands proclaiming Christ as Savior and Lord. When you trust Christ as your Savior, you receive that Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God coming and living in us. Pretty overwhelming thought if you think about it. Well, one last area that I want us to take a look at, and that's in James chapter 1. James chapter 1. You see, we have the teaching of Peter, 
We have the teaching of Paul. And now I just want us to glance at what James says to us. It's page 1881 if you're using a pew Bible. Because James calls us to a changed life. James is telling us it's not enough to hear the word. It's not enough to to, uh, get the word of God uh, revealed to us, but we have to allow it to change us. So uh, James uh, chapter uh, 1, verses 22 and 22, I'm sorry, 22 through 25. I'm sorry, I didn't turn there myself. Um, Go slow. Um, sorry. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Do not le- merely listen to the word and be so deceived. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed by what he does. God has called us to be in his word. God has called us to read his word, to study his word, to understand that through the Holy Spirit, the word becomes alive and real for us. As Julie was talking about, uh, it was hard for her to understand it, but, but when she got it, she, she was able to grasp that and apply it and share it with us here today. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to make it alive. He wants us to take it and apply it, not to just be hearers of the word, but we are to be those who are putting it into practice, who are living the word. We're to be obedient to what it teaches us. We're to, be, we're, we're to say, you know what? I don't like to have to do this, but I need to do this. And, and then go forward and do it. Romans 2.13 says, For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. We need to put it into practice. Not for our salvation, but because it's the right thing to do. It's the thing that God has called us to do. To live out for other people that they may see Jesus Christ in us and in our lives. We'll fall short, we'll make mistakes, we'll be weak, we'll mess up. But look at the results for the church, the first church. Look at verse 47, if you would, in Acts chapter 2. Praising God and enjoying the favor of of all the people. Notice it doesn't say just oops, doesn't say just those who were believers, but all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Lord wants to add to our numbers daily those being saved also. It becomes something that we need to start with ourselves. Where do we start? Well, we start by admitting who we are and what we are. I came across this, and and I'm not sure how readable it is for you, but I came across this. I was doing something uh, the other day, and 
in, in Facebook, and every once in a while on Facebook you see something interesting and good. It says this, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I can be the biggest hypocrite ever. I backslide, I stumble, I fall. I stray onto the wrong path, but God is working in me. I may be a mess, but I'm his mess. And he is slowly straightening me out. And the day will come when I will be by his side. His work in me completed. And until that day, I will take his hand. I will let him do in me whatever needs to be done. No matter how painful it will be for me. When he is finished with me, it will all be worth it. And I don't know about you, but when I read that, I thought, that's who I am. I am a Christian. I love and I trust Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. But I'm a mess. I always fall short of doing what I should and, and how I should do it. But God is faithful. God is the one who has made for me the path into God's heaven through the finished work of Jesus Christ upon that cross. He didn't call me because I'm perfect. He hasn't saved me because I've done something to deserve it. He did it because he loved me so much. And he's working in me, and he's willing to work in you if you will trust him as your Savior, and if you will trust him to allow him to work in your heart and your life. Be obedient to him, trust in him, allow him through the Holy Spirit to bring about change in your life. Lord God, I thank you for this truth of your word, the consistency of it. Lord, help us to not be hearers only. You know how imperfect we are, and and there's days, God, when we get up and we, we realize that I have so much work to do, or rather you have so much work to do in me. God, forgive me for failing you, for falling short, but thank you for loving me enough that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die upon the cross that I have a hope and a promise of eternity spent with you because of all you have done for me. Thank you, Lord, in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.